From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast and I'm the bomb. Happy Tutu Tuesday and welcome to Burncast. Today's episode was produced by a story who steps into a ring of fire with stories of burning love. You may remember Astari. She co-hosted with me a few episodes back when Burncast spoke to Brian Doherty, author of This is Burning Man. Since then, Astari's been hard at work in creating her very first podcast for Burncast. But first, we begin with the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. First up is a message from a listener in North Carolina. Hey, the bomb. This is Red in North Carolina. Uh, this upcoming year will be my fourth Burning Man. And I just had, uh, I guess, an idea for a show. I was listening to episode 40. Uh, let me make sure that's right. No, 41. Um, and you mentioned on there playazon.com for all my shopping needs. So I went there and checked it out and um, was really kind of interested in, in the kind of commercialization of uh, Burning Man and the logo and read through some of their emails. And I remember that you did a uh, podcast or a couple of podcasts at Burning Man headquarters where you talked about commercialization with Larry and Maiden Mary and stuff like that. And um, I think Plyazon is a very interesting site that um, could probably use a little bit more exploration of who they are and what they're doing, some of the products that they're selling, some of the advertising that they're doing while at the event, um, I think could really strike some interesting reactions from our community. Anyway, just an idea. Hope you're doing well. Hope to see you this year up at Burning Man. I'll talk to you later. Ciao. Thanks for your feedback, Red. We're actually developing an episode along those lines, so be sure to stay tuned. Until then, we'd like to remind everyone that Plyazon.com is not only the online resource for that burning sensation, they are also our proud sponsor. If any other Burncast listeners would like to leave a message like Red, simply call the Burncast hotline at 206-350-1416 or click on the MyChingo recorder at our website. Remember, you'll need a microphone in your computer to be able to record a message using MyChingo. Second up on the Burncast community bulletin board is, I'm still a contender for the next host on the public radio talent quest, and I need your votes. Voting ends on Saturday, June 2nd, and if I make it to round one, I win $500, which would so totally go towards helping me to get Burncast on the playa for Burning Man 2007. To vote, just click on the banner ad at our website, burncast.net. Another way you can support Burncast is by visiting my online burner boutique at GlamourBomb.com. There you'll find a selection of furry hats and wool dread falls handcrafted by me. Know that all purchases and orders made from Glamour Bomb will directly support Burncast for Burning Man 2007. In fact, if you click on our wish list at Burncast.net, you'll see exactly all the things we'll need to bring Burncast to the playa and help keep the podcasts in cyberspace. Okay, that about wraps things up for the Burncast Community Bulletin Board, so let's get on with today's episode. Here, our newest Burncast producer, Astari, sits down with Painey, Tomas Verde, and Tommy Vigfinger to hear the male perspective of falling in love on the playa. Thanks, Bomb. So 
So what is it about falling in love on the playa that makes the experience so intense? I was curious to discover just what it was that everybody was talking about. In today's episode, I sat down with three burners to get the male perspective of playa love. It used to be that a man in love would travel to the ends of the earth via plane, train, and automobile to connect with his lover. Well, what happens when we take this analogy to the playa? Are you ready to travel via cat bus, magic carpet, and Irish pirate ship to see what lengths these guys go through for that burning, burning love? I started by sitting down with Painey, longtime burner and self-proclaimed benevolent dictator of the Bouncy Bouncy Club theme camp. I asked him to tell me just one story of romancing the playa. There'll be a new version of the, the internet by the time I finished all the stories there. Um, um, I was, when I did the film, um, at the end of the film I finished it, I'd done it, everything was done. And I was all happy, and I went back to um, to my camp. And um, Which film is that? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I, didn't, I don't like the name of it. It's called Burn, Baby, Burn. It was thought up on Thursday afternoon sometime, and I had no time to come up with a name, and that became the name of it. And um, I never liked the name of it. But the funny thing is that just after the man burns the, and falls over, if you listen in the crowd, someone yells out, burn, baby, burn. And I didn't know that until afterwards. But anyway, um, so I'd finished the film, and um, I, I was wandering back to my camp, and I went back out again, and I kind of felt like it was all over and done. And, but the party was still going crazy, so I wandered back out onto the playa, and I was walking around, and someone yelled out and waved, and I jumped on the cat bus and got sat next to this charming young lady. Um, and we, we snuggled up and drank some cocktails and, and hung out for maybe an hour or two. And at one point, um, the, the bus stopped at, at some camp that was really near where I was parked and said um, that they were gonna be parked up for a while. And I saw my truck and I'm like, ah, I could go get a cocktail. So I say to my new friend, Jen, can I go get you a cocktail? And she's like, sure, I'd love a margarita. So I ran back to my car, and when I came back, the bus was gone. With my camera gear on it and my new girlfriend, Jen. <laughs> and uh, that just sucked. So I, I started walking up and down the playa looking for this freaking cat bus. I couldn't find it. So I got on my bike, and I was riding my bike up and down the the Esplanade, and, and um, I, I pulled up next to one of the, the water trucks that was keeping the dust down, and I thought to myself, well, at least they don't work at night, so I'm not going to get And I got soaked from head to toe. Absolutely drenched, and I was way out. Couldn't be further away from my car, so I was pissed off. And then, um, so I went back to my truck and I, I got changed and I uh, went back out because the, she had my camera with her and uh, I, you know, I had all my tapes but I didn't have my camera so I had to find it. So I went out and I, I looked around and I looked for blinking lights, like blinking eyes because the cat bus had blinking eyes and after about an hour and a half I finally saw the blinking eyes way across the esplanade and I, I went up and 
I found it, and there was the lovely Jen, who is still a friend of mine. We tracked each other down. It took four years, but we found each other. Um, and uh, there she was, with my camera in hand, on her left, and on her right was some other new boyfriend. So, <laughs> alas, that relationship crashed pretty damned quickly. So, the, that particular love was found and then lost. What exactly do you think it is about love at Burning Man that makes a small incident seem to be so spectacular and so magnificent? We'll have a little editorial note here. Um, am I allowed to talk about drugs on this thing? <laughs> there, that would be the answer then, maybe. I don't know. What was the question again? It's, 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 it's hot. It's difficult. It's, um, everything gets exaggerated, you know? Um, just losing a shoe can be like a tragic event because you don't have any other shoes and no one's got your size shoe on in the camp. And, and then you find another shoe that's the right size, but it's a clown shoe, and just little things become just bigger. And that never happened to me, but it just seems like the sort of thing that might happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, little things get to be very important, and the important things get to seem very unimportant. Um, gosh, life's strange. It seems like what could have been a run-of-the-mill exchange became something so much grander, so much more magnificent and, well, mythical. Was it intoxication or was there some sort of magic at play? So I decided to sit down with Mr. Tomas Verde to try to figure out just what's different at Burning Man. There's a magic out there and it's palatable. You can just feel it the way you you approach people and are approached and there's a there's this, like a, a commonality of like an understanding almost and it's not with everybody but it's with it's with a lot of people out there um, and the connections are uh, but Jesus is a lot stronger um, and it's um, it's really it's really powerful I mean I had a connection with, with a woman in uh, 2000, just 2004, um, and it started over her losing uh, a chain on a bicycle, and she's on this little, little like, I don't even know, what, what do you call those old bikes with a banana seat on them? A bike with a banana seat on them? <laughs> okay, great, perfect, <laughs> thanks. And she was like, I actually had manifested her, I said to Tommy two weeks before Burning Man, I'm like, I'm going to meet the total apocalyptic stripper. And that was our thing, like the rock and roll girls, <clears throat> with, the, with the rockers, with, with the, the big hair and, and the uh, um, and the extensions, and maybe some dreadlocks and a bunch of trinkets and stuff hanging off of them, and wearing like little little loincloths and just showing a lot of skin and just really hot and sexy, and like you know, um, dust mask and big goggles and just the big huge platform boots, just kind of stomping to the dust, clump clump clump, and that was just he and I, that was really hot, especially if they were fire dancer too. And I met this girl. And um, she was on this bicycle. I'm like, little girl, what happened to your bicycle? She said, I think I lost my chain. <laughs> and I'm like, throw it in the back. And we had, like, probably, I think, 20 or 30 bags of ice in the, the back, back of, of In the back of a pickup truck. <clears throat> Driving a pickup truck on the street to Burning Man. Not supposed to, whatever. We needed to get a lot of ice. So um, we go back to my camp. 
and I'm supposed to look for a bike chain for her, but I get distracted very easily out there. It's annihilation of the senses. And um, I ignore her for a while, and then like go and flirt with her a little bit, make her cocktail. I'll just wait here; it'll it'll work out. And then she she goes to the she gets bored. And she goes to the to the bike place, bike repair place, and then I have a chain for her. And then she comes back and she's all like pouty. And I'm like, what's wrong, little girl? She goes, my bicycle still doesn't work. And I'm like, and she's got a really, really silly voice and, and not a silly voice, but a, re a great laugh and a hyper laugh. And she kind of like, I was like, damn, that wasn't. I'm like, Tommy, that's a girl with an apocalyptic stripper. What's up with that? And it was like, it's pretty much what I asked for. When I manifest, especially, it's it's very, very, uh, it's almost, dangerous in the, in the default world be careful what you wish for because you might get it out there it's like be careful what you think because you're gonna get it mm. and so it, it's it's sometimes it's good to be a little more specific so I, I basically I got what I wanted like you know tall um, sexy wild crazy adventurous girl in the fly with big huge platform boots and we just parted our asses off and danced and boogied and we'd wrestle in the sand and then take a nap like on a dance floor and then like one of us would wake up and just like, hey, let's go dance, let's go boogie. And then like going through the dust storms with, you know, masks on. I remember her like, you know, like tucking my, tucking my mask underneath my goggles and stuff. And um, putting uh, putting Vic's favorite rug on each other's uh, um, scarves, which I love Vic's when, when you're out partying and stuff, breathing for the Vic. Feels great. And um, we whooped it up. And then it was like, I don't know, two days, just nonstop. Went back to, to my camp. Had, really fun, dusty, dirty sex. And uh, and I was like, oh, I kinda like this girl. <laughs> it just like it was just so wild and carefree. And if it I think if it happened anywhere else on the planet, it wouldn't have worked. Um, but it was it was fun, it was wild, it was sexy, and um, and then she her and our good friend Panty Mechanic got along really well and everybody that I know gets along with Tommy. And we the four of us went out and like a big wild adventure on the magic carpet. Actually, I, I gotta reel it back a little bit because um, just like in the real world, like when you're looking for your car keys or you're, um, you know, you're looking for a pen that you, you knew it was right there. You're looking right on the coffee table, I just put the pen there, where is it? Or where's my phone? It was just there. And you go, oh, you go back and you go back, and but you're concentrating too hard on it and you're looking for it. And that becomes like a blockage in the whole manifestation field. And so as soon as you let go, boom, you know, you start talking in the phone while you're looking for your keys and you forget all about the, the, the keys and you look back in the coffee table, that's funny, I thought they were, I just looked there like five times and they're there. And they were there the whole time, but like stuck in some sort of like alter reality, <laughs> time space continuum thing, which I totally buy. Somehow, Tomas had lost TIE Fire in this space-time continuum. He searched in vain for a day and a half, but it wasn't until he gave up looking completely that he came across exactly what he was looking for. I hear this kind of bike, like a broken spoke, like riding behind us. And she's like, hey, stranger. And she had a really raspy voice. And I'm like, I just got like warm, tingly chills. And my nipples got all erect and stuff. And I, I knew it was her. And I turned around. And I just like grabbed her and like pulled her on the magic carpet. So I finally found her. But I found her when I, when I let it go. You know, it's like when we manifest things, there's two halves of it. is the desire to have something. And then there's the lack and the want. And a lot of times we think we're concentrating on the desire to have something, but you have to do it in a free and easy way. And what we're really doing is we're concentrating on the lack, not having the money or not, not finding somebody. But it's, it's a matter of like a, a balance and an inner peace and, and, a, and a wisdom knowing that everything's gonna be okay, knowing that it's gonna come to you. 
uh, and allowing. And a part of that allowing, just relax, just breathe and smile, and, you know, the meditations of the heart and stuff. And so once I got her back and I was like, oh, don't leave again. <laughs> like, I'm keeping you for the rest of the week. Okay, don't leave. She goes, yeah, 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 I was looking for you too. And uh, so we go off on our little adventures and we, we get changed and, and then, then it's that night and it's her and I and Tommy and Panty Mechanic hanging out again on the magic carpet. And we go out to Lush Camp and we are dancing our asses off and we're doing this super, super boogie shake and having a blast. And um, I think uh, that was one of the nights where we did even more drugs than the night before. It was like everything. Anything that, that could come our way just did. And we just like, oh yeah, sure, oh, okay, okay. And we had um, a cooler full of stuff and, and she had all of our fire tools. And so we've been partying for hours and there was like a makeout session between me and, and Panty Mechanic and Ty and then Panty Mechanic, Ty and Tommy. And we're just like all oh, having a grand time. <laughs> nice little grope fest in the magic carpet and going from party to party. And then I guess we kept going back to Lush or popped over there a little bit. And then um, Ty walked by and she's got this twirling a little stick and she's like, do you want to see me spin fire? And I'm like, yeah, and fire is like a beautiful thing for me and it's very, it's enriching to the soul and it's, you know, it's, it's got some healing aspects and it's just beautiful and fun and sexy. And um, so it was me and Tommy and Panty Mechanic watching Ty do her fire show. And then <clears throat> she, um, she was breathing fire. She, she basically takes her clothes off a little bit. She's spinning fire on a little bit. And then she like burns her bra off. Like just like melts the center of her bra and her bra just falls off and she had great firm little boobies. And I was just like, oh my God. And then she's like starts burning her stockings and her stockings are like kind of like singeing away. And I was like, holy fucking shit. And she was 5'10 and a half and 135 and just like solid muscle. She was like super strong. And I was like, Oh my God. And then um, um, Tommy and, and uh, Panty Mechanic look at me and they're like, like Tomas, what's wrong? You look fucking horrible. And I'm like crying. And they're like, oh my God, what happened? What happened? And I'm like, I'm in love with Thai Fire. They're like, what? I'm like, I'm in love with that girl. They're like, the girl you've been hanging out for the last four days, five days? I'm like, yeah, I'm totally in love with her. I'm going to ask her to marry me. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh yeah. We're like all like drinking and stuff. And I turn around to a guy, the first guy, his name was Apollo, met him like after that moment. I said, uh, he goes, he goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I need a ring. I'm going to marry this girl. And he holds his hand up and he has this huge plastic blue ring. And I'm like, and I look at him. He goes, oh yeah, that girl, the fire dance. Oh yeah. And he hands it to me. And it's just like the magic. It's just like popping left and right. And we were seeing UFOs that night. It's just like crazy amazing. Like <laughs> camp. That was the best dance party I've ever been to in my life. Except maybe a sunrise dance party. And Ty comes over and she's like, what do you think? And I'm like fucking bawling now. Like tears of joy just fucking streaming down my face. And she gives me a kiss and she had like fire fuel on her mouth still. And I was just like, oh my God. When I was a kid, I used to love the smell of gasoline. So it was just like, oh God, yes. And uh, I'm like, come here, I want to say something to you. And she goes, what? Um, I'm like, come here. And I like lean up against the magic carpet and I'm like, Ty Fire, I'm totally madly in love with you. And uh, I want you to marry me here on the playa. And she screamed, ah! Like this, like scream with like multiple levels and little cackles and stuff, and uh, and I'm like, what do you say? And she's like, just like all tickled and jumping around and stuff, and like, she goes, well, 
I'm like, what do you mean, well? She goes, where's my ring? <laughs> I pop the ring out and I show her the ring and I put it on her finger and she said, yes, I totally want to marry you. And then the drive back the next morning at like 10.30 in the morning, we're just like all beat and just like ready to go crash. And we were going about two miles an hour back to camp. And uh, I didn't really the whole night, I didn't feel high, I didn't feel drunk. I, if you had transported me to the default world, to a major city, a little rural area, or in a room, a padded room, I would have been out of my head, like screaming for a fucking doctor. And, but there I was like totally like sober. I didn't feel anything out of the ordinary until the next morning, 10.45, we're cruising a mile and a half an hour, you know, at, at the same pace that a, a lobster sprints. Um, and things out of batteries, we're just kind of like creeping along. We're totally happy with the slow pace, taking the slow road home, it didn't matter. And we stop and there's a bunch of little burner, dusty little burner kids, and they have this little, little like barbecue grill, like fat boiling, like a bunch of like, they're frying something out there. They're like, what are you kids doing? They're like, we're making playa donuts. And it looked like little, like they were cooking turds in this oil. And we're like, can we have some? They're like, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. And we, um, someone else came by with some passion fruit juice and we put some, some booze in that. And uh, ate some of these playa donuts, just had an amazing breakfast. And some guy cruises by on a, on a big cruiser, with big wide handlebars and furry beard. And he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, good morning, good morning. He's like, you guys want a cookie? I'm like, of course we want a cookie. And he gives us each a cookie with a label on it. They were pretty big cookies, about four or five inches in diameter. And he's like, don't eat a whole one. I'm like, whatever, dude, we're fucking rock stars. You don't know me. And we each eat a half one. And within 15 minutes, we're all like, oh my God, I'm so fucking stoned. Nothing all night. It wasn't the Coke or the E or the mushrooms or the acid or the GHB or um, I don't know what else we did. It not 2CB or something like that. Nothing really hit us. None of the booze, the mushrooms, nothing. It was these weed cookies the next day. Just like, boom, we just wiped out. And we're like practically falling asleep. And then, uh, yeah, and then to the, the slow ride back to uh, our camp, playground, ground. And... Um, just took a shower and went into bed and had some great morning playa sex and um, just to, that was like up until that point it was probably the best party night I'd ever had. If I, I've I've topped it a couple times since then. And then um, so then we kept kept going for like a couple more days. Uh, I mean, because maybe that might have been was that Saturday night? That could have been Saturday night. Yeah, that was Saturday night. Um, the night of the burn and then Sunday night we hung out for the temple burn and then Monday morning you know like the whole the mm -hmm. lull and it's like oh you gotta clean up this big camp and get everybody's gotta go back home and the signs start disappearing and you can't find your way around and stuff um, and that's when things like start slowing down emotionally for me it's towards towards the end of the week and just it's like oh this fun's over it was so, it was so cool I wanted to keep going the withdrawals were so horrible after Burning Man and just missing the whole spirit and missing Ty. And uh, pretty much like went in this weird kind of funk depression until Earth Dance. Earth Dance was exactly three weeks after Burning Man. And it was like, I, like, I wanted to reach out to her. I wanted to like, you know, come hang out with me. It was just like so, 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 so lovesick. And this girl I'd known for four days and had maybe in four or five days of hanging out, maybe I talked to her for... I don't know, a couple, a couple hundred words. It was like nothing. It was like, you want some more? It was like, it was, it was nonverbal. It was totally like, it was a, a higher consciousness or a lower consciousness or something, but it was totally nonverbal. And it was a ton of it was physical or just, you know, 
head nods and which that's physical. So totally madly in love with this fire dancing stripper from Portland and just like made up my mind that year after Burning Man, something between getting back on like Tuesday or Wednesday and going to Earth Dance that I was going to dedicate my life to the arts and artists and creation and... Um, and your new wife? And my new wife and my playa wife. And I was like, you know, I totally was like thinking about, fuck, I'll just go to Portland for a couple months or something. I was like, really like, wow. She came to visit for DCOM and that we laid out a fucking huge party and Thai Fire came down, I mean, uh, she came down from Portland and then uh, Panty Mechanic came in from, uh, from San Francisco and a bunch of other friends stayed at my house and we just fucking whooped it up. Um, that was before I knew the whole crew at Space Island and we left probably 50 or 75 little, um, the little uh, whippet containers like all over Space Island, like in the couches and left them everywhere. I remember that was, we partied for the week and then to Space Island, and I had to leave the Space Island party at 5.30 in the morning to give her a ride to the airport. And so then it was like another, like, this big depression thing, and it was like, wait a second, I don't really have the same connection. And it was like, and then I was still, like, in love with her, and, like, months would go by, and I wouldn't hear from her weeks, and, like, like try to email her, and, like, try to, try to develop a relationship long-term with somebody that was really, now that I know, it was, um, I didn't fall in love with her, I fell in love with the fantasy that I created around her and I fell in love with my interpretation of what she was and I was projecting what I wanted on her and I, I've learned recently not to do that. Ah, the playa giveth and the playa taketh away. When we return, I'll talk to the platform-clad leisure suit legend Tommy Bigfinger about finding a deep, deep love in the playa and attempting to transfer it back to the default world. But first, Back to the bomb in the studio. Thanks, Astari. We hope you're digging this episode. I just want to remind you that Burncast is an independent podcast and we are not affiliated with the Burning Man organization. Please help us out by making a PayPal donation at our website, burncast.net. Another option is to vote for me in round one of the Public Radio Talent Quest. In this round, I have an opportunity to win $500, which would go a long way in getting the show to the playa for Burning Man 2007. Simply visit burncast.net for more information. Who do you want to hear on the radio? That's right, we're asking you. I'm Bob Edwards. Go to publicradioquest.com right now and help pick the public radio hosts of the future. Hundreds of people have sent in tapes. You decide who's great. Help shape the sound of public radio. Listen and vote at publicradioquest.com. Thanks, Bob. We now return to Astari and her story about burning love. I must admit I was feeling a bit confused by my quest for burning love. I seemed to be finding more burning pain. So I decided to seek out a few words from Tommy Bigfinger, creator of the Church of Izo, a disorganized religion which sponsors personal shamanic research into the esoteric and inner realms that bridge spirit and matter. I mean, who better to wax poetic on Love at Burning Man than a guy who created his own religion, right? Tommy's story starts on the playa, Night of the Burn, 2002.
Space Cowboys party. I'm at Space Cowboys party and rocking it solo. And I become friends with this Mac Daddy Playboy and his two girlfriends. This Mac, the Mac Daddy Playboy, Freddie, and his one of his girl, his girlfriend from before Burning Man, and his second girlfriend from that week, from Swinger Camp. Freddie, styling Playboy <laughs> from Florida. He's the shit. I was cracking them up so hard with a, some kind of commentary at the party. I forget what it was, but they were taking me in as their, their new friend, and I needed friends. <laughs> and it was on like that, and we were just like, it was a laugh fest. And I was on like that, and it was good. And, and so, gets to the wee hours and the lights going up and we're we're breaking mushrooms at dawn beyond the, the, the trash gate. All of a sudden Freddie's like, Yeah, I hate to do this bro, but I gotta go. I'm like, what? We just ate mushrooms, like we're like just starting this, you know, <laughs> trip together. And he's like, his girlfriend, he needed, she was totally crashing and dying, like, needed to go home. And I'm like, fuck. I was like, ah, oh. bummed. He felt really bad, and, and the other girl, Anna, felt really bad too, and was like, really, like, piped up, like, I'll stay with you, Tommy Bigfinger. Like, ah. Like, oh. And so, Freddie went back to camp and Anna and I like tromped around, you know, the 8 to 10 o'clock a.m. hours, which are the best, I think, at Burning Man. If you're like totally rocking and alive, it's not too hot, totally light, catching the morning shift of people coming up. And, and so we around and, and then ended up back at her camp at the, the uh, I'm okay if you're okay corral and which touted the playa's hottest bunnies and uh, yeah of the female descent just the hottest women playa bunnies and uh, got there and uh, Freddie was yeah, like totally psyched that I, I was there, and my friend Ashley was there, and he's like, I just I rolled the biggest cannon of a joint for you, and so we were smoking there, and all of a sudden this woman comes into this tent and sits down next to me, and she's so hot and beautiful, and we start talking, and I said, and her her name is Mariposa, and she asked me my name, I said Tommy Bigfinger. And she was like, oh, and just shook her head, like, oh, no. But it was like she hit the, she got the whole, she got the whole thing Im immediately. Within 10 minutes, she had, she found a Barbie doll on the floor and dragged, and, and grabbed my hand and pick, picked it up and grabbed my hand and, and like, dragged me over to the other side of the camp where she opened this 
can of liquid latex and dipped the Barbie in by holding her the Barbie by her hair, dipping her into the liquid latex up to her her, her chin, and then having me hold it by the, the hair and saying that's how you hold a Barbie and like running off and coming back and then like gouging out her mouth with a knife and ball and gagging her and putting makeup on her and smearing her so that she looked like a whore and tying her up and and binding her and hanging her in, in the corner of the tent ceiling in a very frenzied activity and just with the whole statement that the blonde blue-eyed big-titted bimbo that was sold to young girls as the thing to aspire to was shitty and that Mariposa being a tall, dark, titless woman was fucked by it as a youngster. And um, obviously there was a little anger there, <laughs> but it was liberating art. And uh, so I immediately fell for that. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And I was in awe of her. And I, I, I was like, uh, I'm hanging out with these, this camp at, for the burn tonight. So I went to the fucking, you know, the hot swinger camp from Silicon Valley and partied on their fire engine art car, bar, bar car. And, uh, you know, did what one of my favorite things was just like stand on the the hub of a wheel of the back wheel of a, a moving vehicle partying and dancing <laughs> that's that's a great thing to do what's safe turns out mariposa has a boyfriend his name is james and she lives with him he's at burning man that year and he's actually really cool He's super cool. He's the coolest. He's like the most fun dude ever. Really knows how to party. Knows how to live life like an expert hedonist. And he's a hairstylist. You know, and so he's just like, <laughs> but he's not gay. So it's like he's a he's dangerous you know and uh so he's there and i'm like oh so i i'm whatever i'm not attached to this idea yet i've not fallen yet but like my friend anna says tommy bigfinger i have the suit for you i have the, you know and, sh and shows me this woman's leisure suit super tight i can see it in the picture of this podcast and uh i immediately dis you know disrobed out out of my clothes and left them in this Anna and Anna's RV and put on the uh the suit and it was the bomb and this should be a drink when you say the bomb drink, drink. <laughs> oh yeah Tommy drink okay uh and so 
I went out that night, partied on this this art car, and saw Mariposa for the second 15 minutes, where she was in a you know total patent leather five inch platforms uh no no top with like a cotton candy pink jacket and bobsy twin like ponytails and a lollipop swinging fire on her knees on the playa and it was she was so hot and i was like oh my god i that's that's the best i need it and so i uh that I, w I would say I was was where I was like oh, so we end the night at their camp, or not end the night, but whatever. Like end up there, and I'm trying to get my suit, and Anna's RV is closed, it's, shut, it's locked, and she doesn't have the key, can't get in, and I'm like, my my business cards are in my pocket of the pants give them to Mariposa and have her call me. And three weeks later, off Playa in September, I got a call from Mariposa and it was like, oh, whoa. And it was instant best friend status where we needed to talk to each other like crack every day, multiple times a day. She loved listening to my stories. I loved her listening to my stories. <laughs> I needed I needed someone that was going to listen and just be whatever, you know, into it. It was it was that real in love buzz hardcore for 2 months until when at one point in November, I was in China. I was speaking at a nanotech conference in China, <laughs> in Beijing. And uh, that, that impressed her very much, which was fun. And, and I came back and I went to see Eight Mile, I remember, it had just come out that weekend. And I came out from Eight Mile, and there was a, a phone message, and she asked. It was it was from Mariposa, and it, and it and it said, "So, have you have you it's have you come? Like, hello, Mr. Bigfinger. It's Miss Mariposa. So, did you bring a China doll back for me to lot to lick my box at my whim?" And I was like, you know, I'm in love with this woman. <laughs> Not because of the polyamorous, you know, obvious polyamorous implications of that statement. The harem could be real. The dream of the harem. <laughs> Still potential, you know. This is an amazing thing in itself doesn't have to come to fruition just the potential is necessary but um just the way she said it did you bring a china doll back for me to lick my box at my whim that's my kind of girl i mean like some black humor there 
and uh, very dark. And so I, I was like, oh my God, I'm in love. I am in love. And I said it to her. I wrote her an email. I said, I am in love with you. Please don't hurt me. But as Tommy learned, falling in love with a woman with a boyfriend can be a bit tricky. They decided they would take eight months off from each other. During this time, Tommy wrote to Mariposa every single day, over 150 pages of emails. When the eight months were up, they set a plan to rendezvous next year at Birmingham. She hadn't showed up by Saturday morning, and so leaving in the space-time portal happens at Burning Man where you meet the same people at the same time and all that kind of stuff like I went to her at the same time as the morning the year before and I ran into the Irish pirate uh, captain and his girlfriend or not, not a girl that he was with who was who became possessed almost with an adamant message for me to not go visit Mariposa, stay out of this, to not go there right now, there was something, it was going to be bad, I'm like, well, no, no I, I, you know, I need to, I need to <coughs> go through with this destiny kind of way, and uh, so I ignored that. And, uh, but yeah, I was pretty fried and emotional leading up to going there. And I remember crying at my camp before I even go there with my bag of gifts, Barbie dolls, and my 150 pages of, of unsent emails and other stuff. And, uh, rode over there with this big bag of gifts and entered her camp, and there was this weird air in the camp that I noted, and it's just something weird. So I get in, I find her part of the camp, and I see James sitting there with his head in his hands on a chair, just like this. And I'm like, James, Tommy Bigfinger. He's like, Tommy Bigfinger. Looks at me, and, and he's, he's not happy. And I'm like, oh, no. I made the wrong move coming here. <laughs> like, I'm like, are you all right? He's like, no. I'm like, uh, what's wrong? Like, I'm. S He's like, no, it's not you. It, and it turns out the girl that they, their best friend, they had brought their hairdresser, one of, one of the hairdressers that worked for James. They had brought to Burning Man that year for the fir her first time. She was 24. Kathy had died in Mariposa's arms less than four hours before in the middle of the playa stepping off a, a moving art car their bar car that I, a version of which I had been on the year before that she didn't want them to stop but she wanted to go to the temple it had been the 99 brides party for the I'm okay if you're okay corral where everyone was dressed up as a bride including Kathy, who was the hottest bride. We should actually put her picture in this. I have her picture of her dressed up uh, in like the sickest like garter belt 
you know, white, white wedding shit. Hot, right? And, uh, and they're all, like, all the guys are dressed in wedding dresses. <laughs> like, everyone's dressed in wedding dresses. And, like, and then all of a sudden, there's this, this Kathy's dead. Or, well, they don't even know. And Mariposa is running in every direction, screaming for help. And, you know, it was just hell. Mariposa describes the worst moment of the whole thing when the helicopters were coming to airlift Kathy. And then they turned away because she was dead already. And it was very just like very meaningful <laughs> and uh and so just it was just when i saw then i saw mariposa walk in and she looked dead she had no voice left from screaming and and uh i had never been in a more intense pit of grief ever i just tried to bring a little you know uh levity to the situation and had my Barbie dolls bag of Barbie dolls which made you know brought it and James was impressed with and and uh and I was like all right you know I you know left after like 20 minutes and uh I then cried my way home on a, my bike and it was like oh my god like what the fuck like I was going there all completely wound up already about the, my little love story, and I step into this insane story that uh, I was not prepared for, and just couldn't believe it, and it was floored. And I got home; it was like you know, ten or eleven in the morning, and and I met Rena, super uber hottie, six foot two, or something like that and Ben her friend who and we they took my story and I needed to just get it out to someone and then um I was like whoa maybe that was it maybe that was the end of it and I had I was exercised of my attachment and demons to the whole thing and I had the best day of my life after that and had the best art pool party in my camp we had a pool, we had a swimming pool, and it was just a phenomenal day. What is love, Tommy Bigfinger? Ah. <sighs> love is perfect understanding. Do you feel that you've had a love so pure since this experience? No. There has not been, whatever, yeah, that's it, no. You have been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. Visit us on the web at burncast.net. Call the Burncast hotline at 206-350-1416. You can also leave a message by clicking on the My Chingo Recorder at our website. Burncast is brought to you by PlyaZone.com, 
a burner's online resource for that burning sensation. A very special thanks to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts.